Preston told me, Hey, you're not making any money. I was like, well, I will, let me figure it out. And that was like the home when I was actually selling physical cookies. Right. I figured out how to make that profitable before I went online. You're listening to biz ninja entrepreneur radio. This show was created for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and dreamers who want to learn from the experts of today and drastically shortcut their own success to build a business that supports their dream lifestyle. Since 2011, Tyler Jorgensen has been interviewing business thought leaders from around the world. A serial entrepreneur himself, Tyler also shares his personal insights into what's working in business today. Welcome to Biz Ninja entrepreneur radio welcome out to biz ninja entrepreneur radio i am your host tyler jorgensen and for over 12 years i've been interviewing entrepreneurs on their entrepreneurial journey and today i have the pleasure of talking with one of the sweetest and i always intend my puns my one of the sweetest entrepreneurs out there lauren anderson the founder of cookie camp and lolly's home kitchen you can learn more about her at lolly's cookiecamp.com but welcome out to the show Lauren. Hi. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Tyler. Before we even dive in, I mean, normally I have like five or six questions that I start with, mm-hmm. but is there money to be made in in just teaching people how to decorate cookies? Uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> yes. A lot of it, actually. And I Amazing. didn't believe it until a couple of years ago. So we're going to dive into your business and what you guys do. and But I love stories like yours because it's things that people would just say, well, why is that even possible? Or what? no one would pay for that. They can get it for free on YouTube, right? And then all of a sudden, you've got this amazing business. So we're going to dial it way back before we come up to what you're doing now. When was the moment where you first realized that you were an entrepreneur? Ooh, ooh that's a good question. There are probably multiple. Yeah. Both my parents were kind of worked at home. Uh, I don't know that neither of them finished college, but they both worked at home. And I was probably growing up. I realized, huh, I've got some ideas and I, I like want to do something different than the normal, like nine to five. Right. But of course that's, I got into that when I was like growing up and in college and nine to five, everything. And then, um, I think it was, uh, I was actually did graphic design for a long time. So yeah, in college, I realized I didn't want to work for everybody else all the time. So I took off on my own and started uh, doing freelance graphic design. And then there was the point where the whole cookie thing started. And I realized, okay, well, no, I, I really want to be an entrepreneur now and do it with cookies. So. All right. So that's obviously the big one, right? You, you, so you had an entrepreneurial spirit, but then you, how, how, how are you making money teaching people about cookies? <laughs> like break um, down, let, let's first tell us what Lolly's Cookie Camp is. Okay. And then so, tell us how did it start? How did it? Okay. So it is, uh, it's a series of like workshops that teach you how to bake and decorate the perfect sugar cookie, like down to the basics, exactly what thickness to roll the dough and how to put on that royal icing. So it looks like it came out of a magazine, right? Right. Um, that's what cookie canvas it, it, it's kind of crazy. And it came about because of my youngest son. So my husband and I, Preston, we've been married for 11 years now. <laughs> Good long time. And yep. uh, we started having kids. We had a girl and then we had a boy. And then I got pregnant with another boy. And um, and at the six, uh, was it six week appointment, 20 week appointment, 20 week appointment, they told us that he was going to have some heart defects. And we're like, what? Like we actually, looking back, we weren't as stunned as we 
were after he was born, but like, right. we're like, okay, no, we got this. Like, right. it's going to be fine. No problem. And then he came and went into his first open heart surgery at a week old. Um, we got him home from the hospital and, uh, we needed to get him to an eight month old, eight months old. So he was big enough for a second open heart surgery to fix all the like plumbing issues that, that were wrong with his heart. And then after that second open heart surgery at eight months old, like, whew, man, I, I, ugh, it's, um, it's crazy ever thinking about it or talking about it because like our entire lives changed in like an instant, like he got, he was so sick. Uh, as soon as we brought him home, he started having issues. We took him right back to the hospital and he didn't leave the hospital for nine months. Wow. And so we lived there. Um, and then even after that nine months, uh, it was a couple of years in and out of the hospital for long periods of time because his lungs were fighting for space with his heart. And, um, we were, we were obviously, we were like, how do we get this kid home and what's it going to take? And there were no, he needed a specific surgery that no other hospitals would do except the one that we were at. Finally, like we finally figured out like, okay, the real issue is that his, his, um, airway needs to be moved like a fraction of a fraction of a millimeter away from his heart so that he could function long enough to grow. Wow. And so no other, no other heart surgeons were willing to do it at any surrounding hospitals, but we, we, um, we got the, the, the heart surgeon there at the hospital we were at finally agreed to it. And like, we went into that final, that final third open heart surgery, not knowing like what was going to happen. Right. And, uh, luckily he came out of that, um, able to breathe long enough to not have to get a trach and wow. he was left with, um, lung issues. I mean, he was on oxygen. We were on like breathing masks and things for a long time. And, um, so our lives were a lot different at that point <laughs> than they ever had been. And we were trying to figure out how to, how do we do this? You know, at home, yeah. I was his, I was his main care, caregiver at home. Right. And, um, like my days were filled with Preston going off to work. Um, and then me taking care of all of our little babies and trying to keep my youngest alive. And I got Literally, to a point, yeah. I got to a point where I didn't even realize it, but like caregiver fatigue is real. And I didn't realize I was experiencing it. And I was like, I was just going through the motions, doing the stuff that needed to be done. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until my mom, she could tell. So we lived in Chicago at the time. My mom lives in Oregon, but she could tell that man, Lauren needs some help. So she, she came out to visit us and she brought with her these airbrushed sugar cookies that she had made in a class. And she taught me everything that I know about cooking and baking and and all that. And so I took one look at those and she demonstrated how you can airbrush like edible food paint on a cookie. And I was like hooked. I couldn't believe it. So I got obsessed with it. I learned everything I could about it. I I was like, well, I've done graphic design. Like I'm just going to try this because I had seen those kinds of decorated sugar cookies in magazines before. And I'd always wanted to try it. And I thought, no, it's too hard. Um, In fact, I tried it once about a year before my mom showed me and I failed miserably at the Royal Icing. I was like, oh no, this is it. This is not for me. Like I'm gonna go back to graphic design. Right. And then once, once my mom showed me that, um, I don't know, it just took off. Like I literally was so obsessed. I, I couldn't stop watching Instagram and YouTube about how to, how to make them. But let me tell you, lots of hours and, and fails in learning how to do it myself. And, and then I eventually started, um, 
making them, doing orders. People were asking me to make mm-hmm. cookies for them. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can make this a business. This is a long version. <laughs> long yeah, it's okay. Story, it's but, all right. Uh, but I started making them, getting orders, and then uh, realized there's a threshold in making yeah. physical, actual cookies themselves, right? Because right. <clears throat> it, it takes a while. And uh, there was only so much money, I think, to be made that way. Sure. And so right before the pandemic, uh, I decided to start doing classes, like in-home, in-person cookie classes. I'm like, I can get more, I can reach more people. I can show them how to do it. They actually have cookies to take home with them. This is awesome. Let's start doing that. And it was kind of the thing that everybody was, all these cookiers, they call them cookiers, right? It was the thing that all these cookiers were doing. Right. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do orders and I'm going to teach classes. <clears throat> so I think I, I, I think I had taught maybe three and then the pandemic happened and I was like, okay, well, wow. obviously we can't ever get together with people right now. So, uh, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, uh, cause I was determined to make this more of something. And then, um, we were at a gosh, Preston and I, we were working on his business actually. Mm-hmm. And um, starting to learn how to build sales funnels and yeah. digital marketing. And we were at a marketing conference. And uh, he's like, do you want to just do cookies? Because I was going to, you know, we were going to work on his business. I was going to maybe do some more graphic design. And he's like, he could see the stress in me because he could like, he, he could tell like, that's not really what I wanted to do. He's like, do you want to just do cookies? And I was like, well, yeah, but how am I going to like turn it into something that really makes uh, uh, like a really good living, you know? Right. We had some ideas, but he kind of gave me that permission that I didn't know I needed to sure. like go all in on it. And right. so I did, I decided that building a, a course, teaching people how to do it would reach millions of people instead of just maybe the hundreds of thousands that were in my local area. And I was like, that's the way, that's the way I start. I want to do, I want to teach them how to make cookies and I want to provide supplies, you know, kits for them. So I started building cookie camp and I procrastinated a ton. And then Preston, he was like, my husband was like, he almost, uh, he basically told me he didn't believe I could do it. And that just made more, you know, that just lit my fire. I was like, I'll show you. And, and he wasn't, that wasn't really what he was saying, but it just, um, it hit a nerve, you know? And, um, so I was like, no, I'm going to prove to you, I'm going to do this and it's going to be awesome and amazing. And I'm going to build this whole thing. You just wait. So I did. I finally built Cookie Camp and we launched it. We started running ads because um, I had no following. Like I, right. I had, well, we had people like, because in the hospital with Micah, I had been sharing almost every day, like stuff going on with him and updates, you know, about how he was doing. And so, but I didn't have anybody other than that. Like, yeah, we, you weren't like a famous cookier yet. No, right? no. You were I, just I you were making cookies in your local neighborhood and you yeah. taught a few of your friends how to do it too. But that was really it so far. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was it. So, um, but so I thought, you, so you built out the whole course and the, and the, and the, uh, the sales funnel, and then mm-hmm. you just said, Hey, let's start running ads. Running ads. That was we, when, we how quickly did you know that you were onto something? Ooh, after two weeks. So we ran it two weeks and it was profitable. And wow. I was like, Holy cow. Okay. What do I do now? <laughs> yeah. You know, my goal, my goal at that point was I wanted to make $10,000 a month because I wanted to be able to shop at target and buy anything I wanted for my kids and not have to worry about like if we could afford it or not. Right. Yep. And so that was my goal and uh, we hit it. And then we both looked at each other. We're like, okay, now what, what do we do? I guess we, we just keep going. We just keep right. going. So, so we did. 
And then we, we were running ads ourselves for a while. And then we broke ads <laughs> and then, uh, started to kind of, um, make our way into having to hire people to start helping us do stuff. So what, where would, where did the business get to, um, monthly before you decided, Hey, maybe we need some support. Yeah. I think we had 20 grand in profit. Okay. That's good. The first month or two. Gosh, I should bring Preston on. He can, as we know from Preston, profit is not the same as top line revenue. Oh no, 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 it's not. Everybody else would have answered that question. Uh, (laughs) Top line revenue, but you. (laughs) Exactly. I'm kind of, I've kind of turned into a profit hawk because I'm like, okay, there's not enough money made, like really made. I don't care about revenue. I mean, I care about revenue, but I don't care about revenue. So it shouldn't uh, be the bragging number. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you yeah. started bringing, you started, you were in profitable every month, and you said, okay, yeah. let's bring in some support to get this to even, yeah. even further. Now, yeah. to break it down for people that are listening that may not have checked out lollyscookiecamp.com yet, what, how much was the initial offer? Like, what so were people paying? Forty-seven dollars. Okay, so you had, you were making twenty thousand dollars a month in profit. So, for mm-hmm. those listening, there's a lot more of that in revenue. <laughs> at a $47 product. Now, if you haven't done low ticket offers or if you haven't worked in sales funnels or these kind of things before, that's amazing. Like there are we yes, we have case studies of a lot of people that do that, but very few of them do it right out the gate, right the the first time they try it. Now, so what that tells me is that there was product market fit and that there was people that wanted to learn what you were teaching mm-hmm. and you met them at a price point that it became very easy for them to say yes. So yes. What was the first thing that you had to do from a pivot in your business? Like you've been doing well, things are going probably going well. You broke ads once, but where did you first have to make that first audible and make a change? Yeah, I would say, oh gosh, there's been a few of them. Are we talking more about the beginning or either way? Yeah. So we, I I know you had some big ones recently, so let's, let's talk through that. I know you were, you were planning some really big things and I love, I'm going to preface this for our listeners that I love this story because I think quitting things in business should be celebrated because you have limited time and resources. Mm -hmm. And sometimes quitting is, is what has to happen for everything else to thrive. So I know you had something big, tell us a a little bit about the event and and what went around that and the decision you made. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely in the beginning, um, having to figure out how to hire an agency and all of that was a definitely p- pivoting point. But this, this recently, so recently we uh, actually, I would say six, nine months ago, we decided, Hey, our, our community has been wanting a live event. Let's get together and do cookies. Like that's a dream come true. Right. For me too. And I thought I'm going to put on the most amazing cookie event. And it's not just going to be about cookies. We're going to have speakers. And we're going to have so much energy and motivation. And it's going to be like this most like incredible thing. And so we started planning it. And then we still had all these other things going on and producing classes and like um, hiring new people and figuring things out uh, just from a business perspective. And so I got to the point where, holy crap, I'm overwhelmed. We have to postpone this. Uh, And so we tried, we tried postponing it. And uh, I think during the pandemic, hotels and venues were a lot more. um, Yeah, they had to be. They had to be gracious with how they operated. Well, it was post-pandemic. So yeah. they were like, well, sorry, no. Well, the problem, <laughs> and so most them. event venues, they only allow for what they consider acts of God is, you know, as yeah. a, a, that's the only thing that allows you to get out of your contract or make changes. And a pandemic is reaches that threshold. Mm-hmm. But if once you're out of that phase, 
if you sign a contract, you better okay. show up and pay. <laughs> better, yeah, case, you better show up. Not very flexible. Not at all. And so we learned that. And then we looked at the numbers. We're like, well, they gave us some options, which really are awful. Yeah. So let's still do it. Right. And at that point, we had we had postponed planning. Uh, and so we were in a really sticky point that we basically had to put on a year's worth of planning in six weeks. And we also had had some other, we had a challenge already planned that we couldn't stop or say no to, you know, we're like, we still have to do that. But then, then from then on out, it's all event. So we did it. We pushed and we started making things happen. We built the funnels. We built the marketing plan. I mean, we were going full stream ahead and then realized there were so many other pieces to get ready together. I still didn't have all the speakers. I still needed contracts from instructors because it wasn't just a speaking event. This is, I need cookie people, bakers to come in and show, you know, demonstrate and teach these mini classes. And right. I was trying to cram way too many things into the time frame. Man, I was, I was, I was stressed. I, I'll be honest. I was so stressed and I was really trying to talk myself into, into that everything was going to be okay. But then <laughs> Then uh, something happened, which was not complained for. So about, um, let's see. Yeah. A, a little, a little ways into that planning time, my, my brother passed away super unexpectedly and tragically. And so I was pretty much, uh, you know, all hands on deck and forced to take two weeks off and not to deal with grief or anything like that, but to like, you know, be with family and mm -hmm. help take yeah. care of my sister-in-law and Correct. kids. So so, so that happened. I got back from that and just, I wanted nothing more than just to work and continue to do and like, let's make things happen. Right. So I dove right. right back in and we kept pushing on the event planning and I woke up with crushing anxiety every single morning, no matter how hard we were pushing ticket sales were not coming in and things weren't working. Um, affiliate traffic wasn't hooked up. I, so many questions were coming through my my Slack messages and Voxer and email that I was like, I, I don't know how to answer any of this stuff anymore. Like right. I, I, and I, I remember I got to the point where, uh, I had a couple, um, oh yeah, a couple, a couple of difficulties with getting instructors on board. And, uh, the next day I walked into Preston's office to kind of talk about some of those struggles. And I hit a wall, like I couldn't function anymore. Um, I was holding Zoom calls with people and I just, I, I couldn't talk. I couldn't answer questions. Yep. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I'd been shaking for weeks. And so, um, yeah, I, I told Preston, um, I'm like, honey, I can't do this. And he's like, what do you mean? You know, I'm like, no, like, I can't do this. I felt like my, yeah. my, my inner voice was screaming at me to like, stop and slow down. And like, Lauren, it's okay. You got to let this go. I, I don't know. I'm pretty determined person. I don't. I don't quit stuff, but, um, Preston looked at me and heard what I was saying. And, and, uh, he's like, it's okay. I get it. I get it. It's okay. It's done. It's over. Yep. We're canceling it. And I was apologizing profusely because my husband's a CPA and yep. accountant, you know, and I'm like, I know how much this means. And I'm so sorry, honey, but I think we're going to lose more money if we hold this event. And I just like everything about me says, I, I like, I have to stop. And, um, let me tell you what, when I walked out of his office after <laughs> crying a ton and talking right. about you know, what are we going to do and, and the repercussions and what do we need to do for damage control? And, uh, I have never felt so much relief in my life having quit something. It felt so good to quit it. 
And I knew it meant like, I'm learning some lessons and, you know, we're going to be, we're eventually going to be okay. But like, man, I have even all of the time that I spent in the hospital with our son, have I, I've never felt that level of like, I don't even know how to describe it. I've just never felt that level of, of anxiety and like pressure. Yeah. I I think entrepreneurship absolutely gets glamorized. Um, and it, it, there are amazing highs of being an entrepreneur, but what people sometimes don't see is that the, the pressure isn't, doesn't ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. It is constant. And so when the, when the pressure is constant without the win or without the outlet, without the support coming through, right. And so the pressure builds and builds Mm -hmm. and builds Mm -hmm. to where either that's when entrepreneurs quit completely, or that's when, you know, or when they have to just take a break. And the best thing to do, right, is is to learn, okay, where do I take those the right. short-term quits yeah. or the yeah. short-term losses to make sure I'm still moving? Because I think one another thing that entrepreneurs learn is that your business isn't you. So like if if some if your business had to close, you could build something different, right? Because you're not you're 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 a creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes you have to say no to things that you thought were the big thing. Yeah. Just in order to get that freedom and that that energy back to do the things you need to really be doing. And it's hard, especially for people like you have the personality where they don't quit. Nope. I committed yeah. to this. I'm doing it. Yeah, commitment. Right? I was like, I told people. Integrity thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think inner integrity is something that we have to pay attention to. And, and again, you can damage control, make sure you make it right for all the people. I'm sure that sure you're doing all of those things too. What was your big takeaway from that? Because you've talked so far about you had caregiver uh, overwhelm, right? And then you had this entrepreneurial overwhelm. Yeah. What did, what did Lauren learn through these? The, like, was there a commonality between the two? Ooh, Tyler, man, I'm so glad you asked that, but I didn't expect to have this kind of reaction. I learned to listen to myself Good. because in the hospital with Micah and all of that, I don't think I listened to myself because I just went through the motions. I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. That's what I have to do. Like, and also the pressure of, uh, I don't know. I mean, we were literally trying to save his life, right? You would think that that would be, feel a lot more heavy. Um, and it did, but I was like, it's the doctors and the surgeons who are going to keep him alive, not me. Right. And so like, I never, I don't think I listened to myself and took care of myself like I should have back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think with this, this, with this event and canceling it. And um, I, I learned that because I remember distinctly thinking like, if I don't stop this, I will lose everything and I'll end up in the hospital. I don't want to end up in the hospital. I don't like, that's not what this is about. Like, I love my family. Like I want to be here and I want to, to do this. And so I was like, you, I better listen to this or I won't have the opportunity to have a business, (laughs) you know? And like you said, yeah, I would have built something else, but this whole, this whole Lolly's business, it's, it's me. It's my creative artwork. Like, you, you asked you, when did you realize you were an entrepreneur? I actually do not have the personality type of an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, uh, I know like, this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. And so I think it would be hard for me to even try and build something new or different, but. Makes um, sense. So yeah. with, with the event kind of this current event passed and you've said, Hey, I'm not going to be doing it. Um, but I know you guys are still doing courses and, and supplies yeah. and things like that. What is, what's something on the horizon? What's your next big goal? for Lolly's Home Kitchen? Our next, our next big goal is to, um, gosh, we have, so we have our Dome Maker program. It's our, um, I teach 
cookiers how to be profitable with their home-based bakery. Cause that's how I started. I started, I wasn't profitable. Preston told me, Hey, you're not making any money. I was like, well, I will, let me figure it out. And that was like the home when I was actually selling physical cookies. Right. I yep, figured out how totally to make that it. profitable before I went online. Yep. Um, and, um, and sorry, I, I want to pause you for a minute because mm-hmm. I love that. We, we host a, um, a big vendor boutique here twice a year in the city. And every I'm all, I go around, I'm talking to all these vendors and I look at their pricing. And a lot of times I'm like, you're not making any money once you calculate in your time and your energy. Like it would be better for you to get a minimum right. wage job. I don't say that to them. I think it, uh, <laughs> because if you're not calculating things correctly, there's a small changes, right? Between charging X for a cookie or Y for a cookie and being profitable or not. Yeah. Profitable. So I love that you teach people that because I think it's great to have a home-based business. It's great to do something like creative like that, but it should also be worth your time. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I love that you teach that first of all, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So the, that don't maker program is where my heart's at right now. That's kind of the next big thing uh, we just opened the doors. Um, with our challenge, we got a hundred new dough makers and we are, I'm just obsessed with helping them get success, get that success and profit that they're looking for so that they can make an impact in their family's lives and their own life and, and go on to do, you know, more amazing things too. So yeah, I love that. And so you guys are doing a challenge. You have the dough makers program. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, have you guys launched products yet? Like physical product? Yeah, supplies. Well, fun, funny enough, we actually just purchased a ton of physical product for the event, which we have now. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, physical product is something that we are uh, we are still planning to do this year. I'm not quite sure what the launch looks like, but it, it yeah, yeah, we are because we have to have. Uh, we're actually working on um, physical product boxes for our cookie camp offer, and so that's kind of in process. With now, we've cool. got a lot of physical products in our warehouse that we'll right. be turning into uh turning into a shop. I love that. Now I'm a big believer that build, building businesses is about creating the lifestyle you want. Now, originally your goal was, Hey, I'm going to make enough money that I can shop at target without any stress. Yeah. What is one item on your personal bucket list? Not the Lolly's home kitchen bucket list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lauren's bucket list that you're going to accomplish in the next 12 months. On the Lauren's bucket list that we're going to accomplish in the next 12 months. Oh, I'm always thinking business. So I know sometimes I have to remember Ryan people okay. like that could be somewhere you want to go, something you want to, something you want to do, something you want to have. Yeah. Right. There's some um, for you. Okay. I'm going to say two, one Fiji. Finally, I've been dying to go to Fiji with Preston. So Fiji is going to happen. And also I, I ran a marathon once. I don't ever want to do a marathon again, but fitness goals, my whole fitness all of that has been on the back burner. So, um, I care about my health, but like my fitness I want to do another uh, 50 miler bike ride okay. in the next 12 months, maybe a hundred miler. Okay. Don't oh, forget about Lauren while we're focusing okay. on lollies, right? That's the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> All right. But Lauren, I super appreciate you coming out and sharing your story, sharing your journey. Please everyone go learn more about her at lolliescookiecamp.com. And wherever you are listening, whatever you're doing to all my business ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something. 
Thank you for tuning in to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. What you didn't hear was one more very important question that Tyler asks each guest. If you want to be a fly on the wall when the real secrets are shared, go to bizninja.com slash VIP and get your access today. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And our one last favor, if this episode was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a fellow entrepreneur so they can grow along with us. Biz Ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something.